Peace, and welcome to the Tailored Healing Collective Podcast. This is a space for, but never limited to, people of color. We're discussing sacred plant medicine, pregnancy, parenthood, and more. You know, there's such a stigma on who can open the floor for conversation on these topics that are viewed as taboo or even inappropriate. This fact alone has made so many become fearful of the very thing that could help us rebuild families, create our own businesses, and most importantly, trust our role in this world as future ancestors. So wherever you are, take a cleansing breath and do your best to listen with an open This is Taylor from the Tailored Healing Collective podcast. Hello again to everyone who has tuned in to listen so far. So I'm sitting here about a week and a couple days postpartum after having my daughter... Um, so this episode was not the one that was supposed to air. I had a whole different episode aired, but that's not the one you're going to hear today. I was very apprehensive about putting this out and events led me to deciding to put this out today. Everything that I'm going to talk about is my own personal experience Um, Anything that I say is only meant with love, with the want to share experience with other people, and with understanding and compassion for the situation in its entirety, no matter what happened. Um, I will not be using any names or anything related to anyone personally. Um, This is all, again, just my perspective from my personal experience, and you can take what you want from it hopefully um it's received well and for those who it isn't received well from i'm still going to send the love and light out anyway so my birth story uh when i originally recorded this first episode i left out a lot and it was because i felt like it wasn't necessary to be a part of my story but time and events have kind of proved It's necessary to tell your truth because when you do, it's almost like a weight is lifted off, but also a new fork in the path is created from your experience, from the decisions that you make, uh, from the people you experience. It's all meant to be as is. So here we go. Um, I know I spoke back in March about the experience I had. Um, on a journey with mushrooms while I was about 34 weeks pregnant with my daughter, I want to say. And it was one of the most eye-opening experiences I think I've ever had as someone who has consumed plant medicine in the past. Um, I was very apprehensive before it happened, but afterwards it was one of the best experiences I've ever had and it opened me up to so much insight and knowledge and wisdom that I decided at that time that I would start creating a platform to speak out for people who do not know about this, people who didn't have these experiences. And I knew in putting myself out there that I would get retaliation eventually, you know, negative feedback, people who just don't know. Because if you do work with plants, fungi, um, any of those, It's kind of one of those things where if you know, you know, and if you don't, you don't. So let's go back to, I want to say I was about 37 weeks. And I thought that my daughter, like most pregnant women, 
you know, who, no matter who they are, always say, oh, I have this feeling my baby's going to come at this time. And I thought I had this big revelation that she was going to be born between these certain days. But even though she wasn't born, um, some events transpired that kind of ended up resulting in what the huge event of her birth was. Um, I thought that my water broke. <laughs> my pee, it was actually pee. I, uh, I was laughing, joking around with a friend um, who was over and I was having contractions on and off. These were just like Braxton Hicks though, which I didn't know at the time. Um, and she was over here, me, her, and my husband were standing in our kitchen and all of a sudden I felt this big gush of fluid and I'm like, oh, this is it, you know, I'm, I'm going to have the baby or, you know, my water broke because it was a lot of pee <laughs> and I thought it was, but my daughter's head was pressing up against my, my bladder, I'm guessing. So either way, my doula came by because I was having a lot of contractions. Um, and the whole time we were here. We were laughing, joking with each other. Um, they weren't really increasing super strong, but they were here. Now, I had hired a midwife, um, one who was not in our state, and she was on call. So basically, before anything kind of escalated, because this was my first time getting this far in my preg pregnancy in a new way, I would call on my doula, who has a lot of experience with birth before the midwife, because my midwife was so far away and my doula would be a better judge of you know if i was actually going into true labor or if it wasn't necessary so we're all sitting around here for a few hours joking around she's watching me you know my son's here um and all the while i am working on a very very small dose like microdosing, if you will so i know some people would probably want to believe that oh the microdosing is you know what had you thinking you went into labor like tons of pregnant women experience thinking they're going into labor and then it's not labor it doesn't mess with your mind so much that, you know, I'm hallucinating contractions. Like, I'm pretty far along in the pregnancy. So I could easily confuse Braxton Hicks for true labor unless, you know, I really knew what it was. So um, eventually my, I believe it was like my doula, she texted my midwife and said, you know, we thought, I think her water is broken. But I kept saying the entire time, like, calm down. I don't feel anything too strong. I think we're fine for now. But um, on the phone, my midwife had a lot of anxiety and I could hear it in her voice. I don't know what it is about working with plant medicine and specifically um, fungi, but when I interact with it or in the experiences that I've had, I can pick up on people's emotions very, very well. I'm already very intuitive, but I could hear like the anxiety and the panic in her voice. And I understand you know where that's coming from because you're far away and you want to make sure that you're there because you know you're under contract with people you're serving them you know in as a birth worker in the practice i get it but i want it like everything to be calm I'm like i'm chill like everything's fine and you know we're all sitting around and i hear it on the phone and i'm just like i'm i'm obviously acting very not different but more expressive and i'm telling my doula telling my friend in the room like i'm fine like let's not all freak out and in the conversation i won't like give every single detail but in the conversation with my midwife on the phone while we're all sitting here in the room you know everybody's thinking i might be in labor i might not but you know i'm pretty chill she asked my doula to do a vaginal exam, which I refused. And I understand, again, the, the anxiety and the, the panic 
if you will. And it was panic, at least what it sounded like on my end. Um, but I refuse. I'm, I'm not about to subject myself to anything that is unnecessary. My doula is not trained to do vaginal checks. Like, I'm not doing that. And when I'm on the phone with her, she's like, oh, so you're refusing a vaginal check. And it felt kind of like, and I was like, okay, what's going to happen if I do? Like, is there some legal repercussion for it? And she said, no, nothing would happen, but I just need to note that you're refusing it. So whatever, time goes on. She decides to drive down here. And things over the nighttime, like when it got later in the evening, they died down. I was still getting them, but they were very light. My doula stayed here with me like pretty late into the night, like to maybe 12 or one o'clock to which my midwife finally arrived and checked me and confirmed that my waters had not broken. Of course, I felt terrible because, you know, she's driving from her home, probably thinking, oh, her client's gone in, but I knew it wasn't an emergency. If I felt it was an emergency, I would have been, I would have said, stay where you are, I'll go to the hospital. If I felt that it was that serious, but it didn't. But I understand, you know, midwives are probably trained these days, and this is me just speaking off experience, to work and operate very similar to OBs. And I haven't had any other experiences with a midwife um, and I do not believe everyone is the same, but the reason that I hired a midwife personally was so that I could get a different kind of experience than the one I was receiving in the hospital the first time um, in the pregnancy with my son. That's why I decided to do it. And at the very beginning, upon meeting her, it, it did feel that way. Uh, we connected, we reasoned, you know, it felt like I really connected with someone. And I believe it gave me the validation that I was looking for in many ways, whether that be like in the, the female relationships that I have in my life, or I don't want to say female, the women, relationships with women, um, that I had the, the healing that I needed to do ancestrally being among women. Um, it, it really helped me at the beginning, but that, that night, um, when we thought I went into labor, the anxiety that she had, it was, it, it gave me a different perspective on things. So when she's here and she's checking me, she says, um, I did tell her, I opened up, I decided to be honest. I said, you know, I, I had um, a bite, a small bite of, you know, a sandwich that had some, some fungi, some entheogens. Um, I don't know how I want to word this correctly, so let, we know what it was. But again, it was about a microdosing amount, but I never disclosed how much I did. And to be completely honest, my midwife knew nothing about it. She doesn't know any studies. She has not um, had any experience with this at all. And she said, I'm going to need you to get off your psychedelics. Now, I've been, <laughs> it's been like 12 hours, and I've gone through this entire process of thinking I'm going to labor, not going to labor, chilling with my friends, hanging out, talking, like we're having a good old time. It was like a big party at the house, to be completely honest. I just wasn't really in labor. So when she said this, like I'm exhausted and I didn't really take it in until the next morning. And then I'm thinking about it logically. I speak about my best friend with it and I'm saying, okay, let me replay yesterday. Was I acting like I was out of my mind? Was I harming my child? Like what gave off that what I did, what I what I microdosed that day had anything to do with the fact that I thought that I was going into labor. It feels like I made a pretty similar mistake that most pregnant women would make, especially who have gotten this far in their pregnancy. They would like to think that every time they have an unexpected pee that they're probably going into labor. But she was treating me and to what I felt was insulting me in my own home. Like, you don't know anything about this. You don't know what I took. You don't know how much. But because you know how I'm using my platform now, 
to speak about my experiences with plant medicine, my experiences with fungi, you're going to use that against me. So I never said anything about it. And I've had a couple of people kind of retaliate back at me for the things I've been speaking about, but I don't really internalize it. I really only care when it's someone that I care about. But you know, this is someone I've hired on my birth team. So I, I felt some kind of way, but I never said anything directly. Now, <laughs> everything that I'm saying right now is just for transparency. I'm aware that it some people could take it the wrong way, but this is just my perspective. It does not have to be experience. And again, it's all love here. Um, this is just me recounting this experience and what it's been like for me. So after, <laughs> maybe a couple weeks later, she comes again for an appointment and <laughs> asked me how I felt that using microdosing whatever had helped me and goes on to tell me that other people have been listening to my podcast, you know, and they're curious and while I'm happy to hear that, all I can think about, and my husband who's sitting next to me, who knows what she said to me about getting off the psychedelics, whatever the hell that means, um, it was almost like she was like apologizing, but not apologizing directly. And I don't need an apology. Like, I don't need any of that. But it's like, I was just sharing experience with you, being open and vulnerable. And you're trying to use that against me while meanwhile, you have no medical proof that this is affecting me, that this is the reason I thought I was going into labor, that it's messing with my mind. So this is just instance number one. And I always find it funny. This happens very often in my life. And I'm sure with anyone who you know, is more in tune with the spiritual world, dealing with people who are mostly on a, a three-dimensional view of the world kind of view. And we're always getting pushback. People think we're crazy. People think we don't know what we're talking about, that or our brains are on crack or, something, or whatever, you know. I'm used to dealing with it, but it's just, it's life, you know. It's, it's the circle. You have people who believe, people who don't, people who are in tune, people who are not necessarily in tune. And you kind of just have to be an observer of it all rather than emotionally reacting to it. So after that, you know, when she came back and was like giving this, I don't even know if it was meant to be an apology or just meant out of curiosity. After this happened, um, I had a couple weeks. So we're at like, what, 38, 39 weeks pregnant now where it's almost getting around that time and i'm getting on and off contractions a lot but i don't know if these are true contractions or not so every day whenever they happen i tell my doula first don't really tell my midwife and let me say the relationship with my doula so doulas are meant to be emotional support during birth they are not meant to unless that that's their practice to practice as midwives so a funny analogy I keep using is that my gynecologist and my therapist do not talk. They do not have conversations and they should not have conversations about me unless, unless it is on a medical emergency situation. So part of me kind of has a feeling that um, my midwife, because she's the one who introduced my doula and I, was probably feeling a bit left out. But again, the only reason, and this is just me explaining myself, the only reason that I always went to my doula first when I started having contractions or inklings that I might be going into labor was because I didn't want my midwife to have to rush over here if it wasn't time yet.
So maybe for the past few weeks, when we got to like 38, 39 weeks, um, I had been vaginally, I allowed myself to get a vaginal check a couple of times and we were slightly dilated, but we were not there, maybe like one to two centimeters at most. Um, and I'm gonna be very honest, when we got to around that time, my midwife, she, it felt like she kept trying to almost push me to induce a little bit. Every time she was over here, she kept reminding me, oh, we have 42 weeks left with the state. We have 42 weeks left with the state. And I'm just like, I've been looking at all this information. Like babies come when they're ready. Babies can very well come at 42, 43 weeks. Yes, I'm anxious to have my child here, but I don't want to do anything that is going to push her, make her feel forced. I just don't think she's that, that child. I don't think she's that person. And I know it was all meant with good intention. You know, I've seen plenty of people try like the midwives brew, um, castor oil, and have had success with it. I myself, and maybe I should have disclosed this so she could understand a little bit better. I've had a lot of stomach issues in the past. I have had my gallbladder removed. I've had my appendix removed. I've had an obstructive bowel. I, I, stomach issues run in my family. <laughs> and it's, I could go into the spiritual side of that, of what's unhealed there. Um, but long story short, I did not want to do anything that was going to induce any kind of stomach contractions that were not labor because that's in all the research that I've done I've seen like you know those are things that can happen and I even asked um, my doula you know just if she had known anybody who had taken it and she didn't have a great reaction to it but you know it's 50 50 for me I'm not going to take one encounter that somebody has and say yep that's it that's the one um, and then we my husband and I asked my midwife okay do you know people who have taken this midwife's brew or induced what was it like for them and she had nothing but positive things to say so you see it's, it's like two ends of the spectrum and we went through a couple more instances where I was having contractions constantly and this is when it turned I guess into prodromal labor and from my understanding prodromal labor is labor that starts and stops so I would have contractions starting at like maybe 1 to 3 p.m. in the afternoon and they would go all night getting stronger but then they would die down around 2 or 3 a.m. and this went on for a while um, in addition to the fact that I want to also thank my doula because she was always there for me like whenever I needed her whenever I thought that I was going into labor whenever I thought like um, you know anything might be wrong or off I would I would speak I would speak to her first uh, I have my daughter with me I would speak to her first and you know just confirm like this is what it is and we also have a good relationship where we would just like talk reason hang out learn from each other and that helped me a lot to calm down from like am i going to labor am i not should i induce should i not so to move forward with <laughs> where i'm going with all of this um I, I felt a lot of pressure so i don't even remember what week this was but we were still kind of just waiting around to see if my daughter would be born yet and then at this point other than the midwives brew my midwife is suggesting that we hire a sonographer to see what my daughter's positioning is because something may be wrong again from a medical perspective i understand this you know you want to think okay baby's not here yet we might want to see what's going on but i trusted my daughter so deeply so much i didn't want to do anything else that made it feel forced so a couple of days after this, I sent a text to my midwife. It was very direct, it was to the point, it was not disrespectful, there were no names called, none of that. I simply stated that I wanted to not feel forced or coerced 
into anything because I went through that with my son um, as far as inducing that I wanted to let my body do its natural thing and that my daughter would come in her time. I guess my midwife didn't like that. Um, she did tell me that my opinions and or the things that I wanted would be respected. Um, but then later on, after I told her I didn't do this, she asked us if we were going to continue to pay or when our next payment will be made. Now, we've all been in an understanding. Let's, let's get real about it right now. We're in a pan still in a pandemic. We're working on our own. We're entrepreneurs. Um, and we've spoken about payment and, you know, the way that we're going to handle things. We've bartered. We've all come to an understanding. And it wasn't until I stated and was direct about the things that I wanted that money was brought up again. So all of a sudden, you know, it had me feeling like emotion was starting to get involved. We were never not going to pay. That That is not the case at all. We just needed time just like anybody else. And that kind of like threw me off. I'm like, okay, you know, we've been vulnerable, had this open, close relationship and made sure you understood like we were on the same page as far as our contract goes, you know, that you were going to get paid. It started feeling very OB-ish to me, like a hospital, like, okay, pay up. And it all because I spoke up about and was very direct about what I wanted. I did not want to go to a sonographer to check my daughter's position. I did not want to induce with any midwives brew. I didn't want any castor oil. I just wanted to let things happen. So the padromal labor continued. Uh, it kept happening like night after night. I would be and it got worse. I would be moaning in pain for hours doing like all the breathing techniques and doing everything that I could. So again, remember, this is after a few attempts to kind of get me to induce because as my midwife kept reminding me, we have 42 weeks left with the state. We got 42 weeks left with the state. So this is like spinning in my head in a circle. Her words, me thinking, OK, maybe something is wrong with uh, with Luna. Maybe, you know, I need to do this or do that. And it felt very similar to being on a journey, a trip where you start overanalyzing the things in your life. You're like, okay, well, what if this happens? Well, what if I do this wrong? What if I make somebody feel this way? What if this? What if that? I don't want to live my life in what ifs. I want to let things be as is. I want to see what happens. Allow the universe to do its thing. So another instance happened. I'm, I'm, I'm laying it all out there because me and my husband made an agreement. We're having our Phoenix moments right now, rising into the next phase of our lives. We've been through this before. To give you quick insight, um, with my son's labor, we hired a doula uh, to help us. This was during the pandemic that we were working with virtually and then eventually in person. I spoke about my experience with her, never mentioned her name, never mentioned her business, because I don't believe in outing other women, much less black women. I just wanted to speak and share my experience from my perspective and my view. About a year ago, she sent us a cease and desist letter, some copy and paste crap off of the internet that was not to be taken seriously. But in that moment, when I received the email at 10 o'clock at night, I got freaked out. I was like, okay, somebody's trying to sue me for talking about my story. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? I'm trying to build my business right now, take care of my kids. Like I was scared. And then logic kicked in and I talked to a lawyer and saw that there was no case. 
So that left me with a very bad taste in my mouth about using a doula, about sharing my story. Um, it, it just, it didn't make me feel good. So opening up my heart to another doula was my redemption in all of this. Um, and then with this Phoenix moment that we're talking about between my husband and I, this is me laying my truth out. I'm not afraid to tell the truth. Not anymore. I'm not afraid to share my story because this is my story. Nobody has to internalize it. Nobody has to take it seriously. Um, people are going to let it trigger them. Some people are going to find resonance in what I'm saying. I just choose to share my story because I know that there are so many families, so many people who are made to feel bad for who they are, for their experience that they're sharing, uh, for being themselves, you know, and whatever that looks like, whoever that triggers. And it's not my job. I don't take it as a job. I just take it as like, it's my duty. You know, the plant medicine has called me for a reason, and that's to show people a reflection of themselves, to see the reflection in myself, to see this is who you are. This is your dark side, this is your shadow side, but there's also light in this. Use your light. Use your light to shed darkness, use your darkness to shed light. And that's what my intention with all of this is. So moving forward, um, I'm having prodromal labor on and off, on and off. Um, and I was tired at that point. I was doing everything that I could everything to bring her here, but I would not give in to inducing myself. The last time my midwife checked me, I believe I was about three to four centimeters, according to her. Um, I had not seen her since the last time, and one more instance happened. So we asked my doula to speak on our behalf because we felt like we, we were on a conversation with the midwife thinking that my water had possibly broken yet again. And we felt like we weren't being heard because we were constantly being kind of, it felt like being pressured. I'm not gonna say it was, but it felt like being pressured to induce labor with the castor oil to speed and quicken things up. And I didn't wanna quicken things. I wanted to take my time with them. So we asked our doula to speak on our behalf. Five minutes later, after she agrees, we get a call, a three-way call. My midwife puts us all on a three-way call. And we didn't know this was going to happen. And it was highly uncomfortable. Again, why are my gynecologist and my therapist talking? We, you, you have no reason to talk unless it's a medical emergency. It was not a medical emergency. There was no bloody show. There was none of that. I just thought that my water had possibly broken. Me and my husband had intercourse. We thought my water had broken. And that was it. I took all the necessary steps I was supposed to by calling and texting, alerting her, letting her know if anything changed. Um, and she puts us on a three-way call with my doula and puts us all in an uncomfortable situation. This is someone who I'm trusting to be my birth worker. And... It felt as if she was acting emotionally, you know, through what was going on. And it made me uncomfortable. It made me very uncomfortable. And it's hard to voice these things because I don't even like confrontation. I don't like triggering people. I don't like making people feel bad. Like, I care and I'm a very nurturing person. But I keep to myself for this reason also. Because I feel like when I tell my truth, people get a little uncomfortable. They're used to me being quiet. They're used to me being kind of like... Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do what you need, I'll do what you want. Being a people pleaser. And I don't know what it is that sparked in me with my daughter that didn't spark with my son, but like power kicked in. I was like, okay, I gotta do what I gotta do. So after this uncomfortable conversation on the phone where nothing really happened because I was also not in labor that night, um, it got to 
the week of my son's birthday and she still was not here. I was a week late with him too. He was born two days before her, just two years ago. And we get to that day and or two days later and I'm still having this prodromal on and off labor, on and off labor that is keeping me up all night. Thank the universe for my doula because she knew how tired I was. She knew how frustrated I was and she still chose to be there for me in the moments that I needed her. And even when I would tell her, you know, don't come over, don't do this, she would still show up. On this phone call, this three-way phone call that uh, we were all put on, um, my midwife was telling me that I was burning my doula out. And I automatically was like, what the? Like, I'm like, does she feel this way? She didn't tell me this. I don't call on her unless I need her. Like, why Why are you speaking for her? Why are, why are you doing this? And I didn't know how to take it. So I, and me and my doula, again, our relationship is completely separate. So it's like I'm being made to feel bad for being a mom who doesn't know exactly what's going on with her body and just calling her doula, like, just to confirm, like, hey, am I in labor, am I not? So you see all these uncomfortable situations that felt, you know, very heightened for me at the very end of my pregnancy, who's also a mom to a toddler, you know, that there's a lot going on, personalities I'm trying to maneuver around, all while, you know, being in the very last stage of pregnancy and oh so tired. Like, I don't think I've ever been that tired in my life. Um, you know, ready to go into labor, but not there yet. So during all this you know we have the energy of the solar eclipse the full moon uh, mercury's in retrograde so of course all this communication going on is probably being perceived like as the worst possible thing that night two nights later because i had been going through it again me and my husband sat down and we had a conversation and this was not the conversation i wanted to have i did not want to go to the hospital I was in the hospital for my son's birth. I didn't get to hold him. I didn't get to have skin to skin. He wasn't breathing when he came out. I only saw my husband for two seconds and I'm cut open on the table looking up at hospital lights. I didn't get to hold him until that night or the next night, I think, I don't even remember. Um, I had been induced with a Foley balloon. I'd had doctors in and out of my room for a week, like five or five to six days, it felt like a whole week. And then it resulted in his heart going, his heart um, rate going up and down. He's having D cells, I believe, and he had swallowed meconium, so I had to have a C-section. This was my biggest fear, and I'm thinking, I think I chose home birth because I thought it was the brave thing to do. I was trying to be brave. It was almost like I had something to prove. Um, I'm choosing home birth because, you know, I. I want to be this warrior, not this scared little girl who gave up the first time because her whole family was around her telling her, you know, you need to go to the hospital. You just let them take care of it kind of thing. Um, and I thought it was the right thing to do. So here I am sitting with my husband and I'm telling him, like, I think I might want to go into the hospital. I'm, I'm feeling all this pressure from our midwife to induce. I'm getting anxiety. Um, and then like also towards one of the last days that I'm going through this prodromal labor, she sends me this random Google article that I, I'm a person who researches everything. So I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? And it's funny because she's trying to tell me, oh, this is what prodromal labor is. I look, I read, and then I go look on my own. One of the reasons you can get prodromal labor is anxiety. I had mad anxiety and didn't even realize it. 
like all this pressure you have 42 weeks with the state 42 weeks with the state 42 weeks with the state maybe you want to do is try this midwives brew maybe don't try it okay we think these contractions are starting well maybe you want to speed things up it was just all too much and in making that decision i had to put everything aside that came with my son's birth the fear that my daughter would be taken from me and I might not see her again. The fear that I would have to be cut open. The fear that I would not be heard or listened to in the hospital and my wishes would not be respected. I had to put all of that to the side and not make it about being bravery, but doing what felt right for me. And I believe that my daughter held out that long because of it. So we called our doula. Unfortunately, I could not have my son and my husband there with me because my son is only two years old. He has a pretty consistent schedule and I did not want him all of a sudden, you know, in this bright hospital where he's never been having to sit with me. I just felt like it was right. And so I called my doula and she told me she would stand by me no matter what I chose. I didn't tell my midwife because I didn't feel like I had to. It was my personal business, my choice. And I felt like when the time was right, I would tell her. And again, from a, a, from a medical contractual side, I understand why she would want to be informed, but it was still within my power and my right to decide when I wanted to inform her. So we go into the hospital. They tell me I'm about three to four centimeters dilated. And I said, I want, <laughs> I want an epidural. <laughs> and I'm, I'm ashamed, but also I forgive myself for that because all this power in home birth and you know knowing what happened the first time and the drugs that are in it and all of that, I was like, how could you do this? How could you betray this natural lifestyle by going to the hospital, letting the man take control and all of this? And I had to honor what felt right for me in the moment and I was in pain and I was tired and I wanted to release all this anxiety. So we're sitting there in the night and I think I was already 100% of face, but I was still only about three to four centimeters dilated. And from there, I kind of like almost breathed a sigh of relief, not because I was letting the hospital take over, but because I could finally rest. And I know my doula saw it in my face. I know she saw it. She even told me later, like she just wanted me to get some rest. She just wanted me to sleep. And those two little three hours after the epidural I got, oh my gosh, it was the best sleep I had gotten in a year almost. Um, and I dilated quickly. Now, obviously, you're like, okay, if you let hospital intervention take over, of course you're going to dilate quickly. I don't believe that's true because I could have had stall labor. Luna could still have decided, I'm not ready to come yet. I'm still going to sit here. You know, her heart rate could have gone up and down. So many things could have happened. All the while, it's just me and my doula in the hospital. I do not have family here. My husband's at home with my son. And also, we had to be separated. Like, that was... A big fear for me too not having my my husband there I'm like what if I die what if I go in there and this is the last time he sees me but remember when I was talking about the what-ifs earlier I had to let all the what-ifs go what if this happens what if that you know I, I had to so <laughs> I was I want to say by like 3 a.m. I was maybe five centimeters dilated and it was speeding up and it was happening and Everything that I feared that would happen when I went into the hospital did not happen. My wishes were honored. I got to keep my placenta. The lights were dim. I got music in there. My doula was there holding my hand. I was in good spirits. I was going in and out, you know, between this, this before world and this after world, the one where I meet my daughter and then the physical world. Um, 
And though things were completely off from what I planned, I was so excited about a home birth. And now here I'm in the hospital without my family, you know, without my husband, without my son. You know, I had to, I made the decision to not work with my midwife and just honor what I needed right then and there in that moment. And I had to release guilt. I had to release fear. I had to release anxiety to, you know, do this thing, to take this act of bringing my daughter into this world. So I want to say maybe by 12 p.m., 12, 1 p.m., I was about nine and a half centimeters dilated. And by this time, I'm not really there, like at all. Um, but my doula was there with me the entire time and it, it saved me so much. Just having her there holding my hand, even though like I remember seeing her face and not seeing her face and not being there, like her being my emotional support there is what led me to be able to do all the things that I did to make these decisions. This was never about, I'm not gonna pay my midwife. She's pissing me off. She's. I had so much anxiety and in that moment I was like, okay, it's time and of course this decision was made under you know an astrological time where this is about rebirth i had to literally kill off the person that i was before to step into who i was about to become so my husband did he was able to come up there with me for about an hour and a half i didn't have anybody to watch my son um so he had to go back home to him and he missed the birth of our daughter and it's something that i think we're both a little heartbroken about but let's get to the birth part. So I remember them bringing me up a mirror at some point. I was very in and out, like I said, falling asleep between having these contractions. Um, just felt a lot of dull, not dull, it was a lot of strong pressure. And I would have them and they go away. I fall asleep, they go away. I talk to my mom, I talk to my sister, I believe, in between. Um, but when we get to this point, like I'm, I'm just really not there anymore. So I remember them bringing up the mirror and I could I only saw myself. I'm like, I can't see it. They're like, do you want to see her head? And I've been pushing um, and I, I see the opening. I see this myself opening as this portal. And in my head, it's like so many things. It's like, what the hell? And I'm sure every woman who experiences childbirth, like especially if they have a mirror and look at it it's it's this weird out of body experience like you know there's another body inside of you you've known for months now you know there's a little human in there but when i saw her head i didn't even know what i was looking at like i knew that was her head but i was still like okay and then i remember like those last couple of pushes they told me i pushed for about 30 minutes and she came and i remember those last couple of pushes and i remember that feeling like when she came out that expelling feeling like it was just a big release and it felt like a release of everything I'd been carrying around with me and when I felt her warm slimy body on mine I was in a state of shock I was like oh my god what is this who is this what is this thing on me she was so small and feeling her on my body oh it was it was the best most euphoric craziest thing i've ever been through and i've done some pretty crazy stuff i've had some pretty crazy experiences um and though my my husband was not there my son wasn't there everybody who i loved the most could not be in that room with me my doula being there to witness it was very special to me and that moment like it at that moment i knew that i didn't have to be brave that i already was brave that it did not matter whether I had her at home or whether I had her in a hospital. 
as long as I was able to take my power back and know that I own that moment, nobody could take that from me, no matter where that I, where I was. Um, that was that was me and Luna's moment. Luna and I uh, was the best moment of my life, next to seeing my son for the first time, next to falling in love with their father. It was the best moment of my life. And my doula just, I want to thank her so much for holding my hand through all this, being my emotional support. Uh, I'm just thinking about, like, I've been thinking about this moment. And I'm so lucky that I can remember all of this because of my son's birth. All I remember is bright lights, cut open, hyperventilating, he was gone. With her, it was just like this drawn out, beautiful process I can look back on and say, wow, I did that. I brought these babies into this world. And in this birth, you know, I took my power back. So following that, you know, I'm in bliss. My, eventually my husband and son come to the hospital. We're just like in this new joy, holding our baby girl, looking at her, joking around, having fun with our doula. So we're going to the next day. Um, and I get a text message at 6.50 in the morning. And it's from my midwife congratulating me on the birth of my child. Now, I've told nobody that I went into the hospital. The only person that knows was my mom, who I called on the phone, my sister, who knew I was in labor, my husband, and my doula. And I had no intention of telling anyone until I was ready. And I'm getting this text, and I'm like, okay, where would she even get this information from? I know exactly how she got it. But my whole thing is like, I just had my baby. If you even knew that I made this decision to separate care from you, why wouldn't you give me the time and space I need to come and say something? Everything is fine. And I knew immediately she found offense in that. So I responded with another very direct but professional text message saying that I felt that it was inappropriate that she contacted me in the way that she did and it made me highly uncomfortable. I wanted to tell her when I was ready that I decided to go into the hospital and give birth. I mean, I just gave birth. I really don't want to talk to anybody right now. I want to be with my daughter. I want to be with my family. Like, I don't, I felt it was inappropriate. I felt like the moment was almost taken away from me a little bit because someone else did not get what they wanted out of the situation. After that, I sent that text message. Again, it was a very respectful text. I never received another text back not once and it seems that when i state my boundaries it offends people and again i don't know if it's because they're not used to me talking in that way if they're not used to someone taking authority over their own body and their own choices i'm not really not sure what it is but i mean in that moment i'm like i'm i got two kids if i don't feel comfortable i'm going to say i don't feel comfortable if I feel like I've been violated in some way, I'm not going to hold back and let somebody know. I'm going to be respectful about my delivery and my message, but I'm not going to say anything offensive or hurtful. Just say, hey, this is my line. I feel like you're crossing it. So in not hearing from her after, um, we get home, we're settled. I got to go home that, that day, that morning. So the very next day after giving birth, I got to go home. And you know why? Because I fought for it. 
Um, there was nothing wrong. I had a very healthy baby. I was healthy. No signs or warnings of anything. And all day, like, you know, they're coming in and out doing these newborn, not newborn tests, but, you know, discharge paperwork, all of that. And I'm like, I just want to go home. What do we need to do to get her home? So it was just like one test. I think they wanted to see if she had jaundice or not, which I was like, okay, well, it's late. Like, you know, if they sign off on this, they're still going to let me go home. They ended up letting me go home. So I've been home for about a week. Um, also, in this text message that the midwife sent me, she wanted to know when she could come and get her things. And again, this is 6.50 in the morning, the morning after I give birth. So you can see why this enraged me so much. So I, and also in the text, I let her know that when I was home and settled, I would let her know when she could come and get it and we could settle any like remaining fees or anything like that. It says all of this. Um, so a couple times in the week, my husband, she texts my husband, she doesn't text me, reaches out to him and sees if she can come and get her things. She had something going on, I guess, didn't show up the first time. Second time, I don't know. And then the third time she shows up. I wrote up a professional letter to give her, you know, for her records and notations, because throughout this entire process, and I've left some things out too, but through this entire process, she's telling me that she needs to notate every single one of our conversations. Fine, I get it. Medical paperwork. Again, feeling very OB-ish, but whatever. Um, so I write her up a letter saying that we decided to transfer care on our own. It was not at fault to her. Um, that we would speak with her and settle on a date to handle any remaining fees. Thank you. Best regards. Such and such. I was in the back with our children because I just didn't feel like I wanted to talk face to face. I felt like I'd been violated. I wasn't listened to. She's made me uncomfortable several times, so I let my husband handle it. Apparently, there are, there are a lot of things said, and I'm not going to go into detail every single one of them because I don't feel like all of this is necessary. I've laid a lot out here already. Um, but this is a, our birth worker who we're trusting. And one I'm particularly trusting because she's in the black community and I wanted to feel like, not like I just had someone in the room who looked like me, but someone who would understand my experiences, um, why I wanted to have this birth the way I did, and just like who I was overall as a person. And I don't believe we ever really got to know each other on that level. Not enough where she would understand why I was making these decisions. Um, but the, the conversation between her and my husband did not go well at all. Um, he felt he was angry and upset and felt like we were owed at least an apology. I wouldn't even go looking for that, honestly. I don't need an apology. I just kind of want to wash my hands of the situation. I shouldn't even feel like I'm doing anything wrong. I did what was right for me in the moment for my birth. I held my boundaries. I stated, you know, what I needed in the moment. And I'm not apologetic for it. Uh... But one of, the, a few, one of the few things that I took away from the conversation he told me they had was on her way out, she called us mental patients. Um, she told him that she was reporting to several doctors that I was on Schedule B or Schedule 2 narcotics. <laughs> I'm still laughing at that, especially after, you know, everything that I've said earlier in the podcast. And I believe she did all this because for some reason she thought that we would threaten her credentials in some way. And that's not the case. I, I'm not going after anybody's job. All I wanted was my daughter here. And I wanted her here in our way. Without being forced, without being rushed, without inducing anything. And now you're trying to use the platform that I share for people who look like me, for women who look like me, to feel comfortable speaking out in their stories, sharing about how, you know, not just psychedelics, plant medicine has helped them, you know, 
lead a better life, lead a, a calmer, more relaxed, more conscious and intuitive life. I'm sharing all of this with you and you would go out of your way to go report to doctors about me. Also telling my husband that apparently my anesthesiologist was talking shit about me. I'm like, how would you even know who my anesthesiologist was? I never gave you permission for my records, my medical records. I never gave you, I never gave you sign off on anything that said you can go up to this hospital and access anywhere you want to. And also there's HIPAA. Like, first of all, nobody's gonna violate that because that would result in major lawsuit. Um, I just don't believe anyone told you that so it's like all these things are triggering and when i heard that like my husband comes back and when i see this look on his face i know something's wrong he looked terrified he thought our kids were going to get taken away from us because she's supposedly reporting to doctors that i've been using narcotics and that my membranes ruptured also my water did not actually break until i was on the table in the hospital or in the bed i wasn't on the table i was in the hospital um, my water didn't even really break there. So I know when my water actually broke. Everything before then was just speculation. Um, there was no check. There was only the check the one time, the very first time. And when I, I was calm when he told me that. He's freaking out. I'm calm because logically I know, first of all, well, this isn't even in my system anymore. Two, I would not have walked out of the hospital if that had happened. My daughter would not be in my arms right now. We would not have been released the next day if she had really reported all these things or, you know, that's just not how the system works, but she's giving all these scare tactics for what? And if she had taken this letter when she left our home, she would have known that it, it's not, oh, we're not gonna pay you. I still fully intend to pay any remaining fees that I have. But for you to come in our house, call us mental patients. When we've shared so much with you, you've opened up with us and you've specifically asked me not to mention anyone your personal business, which I'm not. You know, why, why would you do that? And you're serving mothers. You're a birth worker. You're a black woman. You're a mother yourself. Why are you sharing my business supposedly with doctors? With You're threatening my children at this point, and that I cannot have. Call me mama bear, call me monster, whatever you want to. Any woman understands you threaten my kids, you threaten me. You threaten me, you threaten my kids. That's not going to happen. I don't know where the, all the animosity is coming from. I don't know if she feels offended because I didn't call her. I don't know if she's offended because I stated my boundaries. Either way, all of it was a projection of fear. Fear that someone was going to come after her job, I guess. I, I don't know what it was, but for me... You know, to have chosen this birth team, to be the one who chose all this, you know, I'm questioning myself now. I'm saying, did I do something wrong? Did I do the wrong thing? And all of this is honestly a, it's a lesson. It is helping me, it's helping me to see what my role is in life. I've had this problem with many people. Like I said, I had a, a doula before who sent us a cease and desist because I shared my story. People don't like it when you tell your truth. This is my truth. And again, it's perspective. It can be received by anyone in any way they want to saying, oh, you know, old girl was talking shit about you on her podcast. I'm not talking shit. And I'm and this is just like an example. I don't know who's actually going to say what. This is me saying that I was in a situation where I had a birth worker who was within my community who made me uncomfortable. Proceeded to use my use of plant medicine, my personal story that I'm trying to use to help heal people. To show people that they can be in charge of their own healing and you're calling me a mental patient all because i stated my boundaries all because i made the right decisions and choices for me 
And now I'm questioning myself saying, am I doing the right thing? I don't want to be this person. I don't want to have to trigger people. I don't want to be the person that has to stand out and stand alone. But you know what? I wrote this in my daughter's my daughter's story that I wanted to read to her when she was born. I didn't get to. Um, but in this letter that I wrote to her, I said, sometimes you have to stand to stand out. You have to stand alone. I'm, I felt very betrayed. I'm not going to lie. Um, but. One thing I'm also realizing, the way that this world operates, you have to see the light in the dark. Not every situation is going to be happy or have like this joyous ending to it, but everything has a lesson in it. To my midwife, I don't have any disdain, any hate. I wish for you to continue practicing birth work. I hope you learn from this situation. I've learned from this situation. I've learned that it's not about me needing to be someone. It's about realizing I am already that person. I'm not out to hurt anyone. I'm not out to take anyone's, you know, way of living. I have kids too. You know, I want to do the best that I can for them. And part of that for me is stating who I am and what I need in the moment and not backing down, not burning bridges necessarily, but knowing that I can rebuild anything that I want to in my way. And if that's my story, that's my story. There's no hate in anything that I'm saying right now. There's no disdain. I needed that situation to happen. I needed to be able to experience all of these things. I needed to trigger people, you know, and not because I'm like intentionally trying to trigger people, but all these things had to happen in order for my daughter to be born, for me to step into this next phase of my life. You know, the first time when I got that cease and desist, I was scared. I was scared out of my mind. Because I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm here I am trying to, you know, build up this business, this long-term thing for my children. And now somebody's trying to come after me and tell me I can't tell my story. I'm going to tell my story. I'm going to tell how things have affected me. And I'm not going to say sorry for it. But it also needs to be known that this world that we live in, whatever it is, how impermanent it can be, how temporary things are, um, everything has a lesson in it. Everything. And in that lesson, you realize everything matters and nothing matters. You know, what I needed out of the situation was both my kids and my arms. And eventually I got that. What I needed was to take my power back and know that no matter what happened in the situation with my daughter, that if I stood my ground, a miracle would happen. And it did. She was born perfectly healthy. We left the hospital the next day. There have been no issues with my health. I've been healing beautifully. I've been in my own home. Things are not perfect, but they are exactly the way that they need it to be and how they need it to happen. And it's helping me grow. I'm holding my daughter in my arms right now and just like in amazement looking at her, not just because she's like a new baby and born, but my children have been catalysts in my life, as I'm sure in most women who have children, like they're always a catalyst for this change because you see life restart again. And you're like, wow, like if only I could go back to, you know, I'm sitting here trying to learn all these lessons, all these lessons. And you come into this world already knowing the answer to all of these. But somewhere somewhere along the way, you know, we forget what these answers are and we make it about bills and, you know, massive school shootings and wars and all of these things that are meant to drag our vibration down. The world is not perfect. We have to experience both the light and the dark, but we also can be masters of what we choose to experience in this world. You set your boundaries. You set your guidelines. Don't let anybody cross them. I don't believe anybody had 
bad intent in this situation that happened with my daughter. I believe that a lot of it was a projection of fear. And that's completely understood, you know, especially as people of color, you know, we fear the system a lot. We, our children have been ripped from, are ripped and it's still being ripped from our arms. Cause I want to re remember that, like there, there are still children of color being ripped from the arms of their parents for things that were once sacred and indigenous to our communities and to our people. And now we look at each other and we point the finger and we say, see, it's that the stuff that's making you crazy. Not that it's that medicine that helped heal you. You know, we follow along with these things that the medical system is saying and these things that other people are saying. And we look at other people with privilege and we give them so much leniency, but we don't give it to ourselves. I'm not a birth worker. I'm not a doula. I'm none of these things. But I do understand emotion, at least as well as one can. Um... And what I could not have in my birth space was the fear and the anxiety that something bad would happen. And I'm so glad that I did not have to get induced, that I chose to listen to my body and trust my body and all that I required while I was there was an epidural. I'm not shaming myself anymore for honoring what I needed in the moment um, because I have a beautiful baby girl in my hands right now. I not just forgive every situation that happened, but understand that it's all part of my journey. Um, my situation, just like many others, is going to change the perspective on what this world looks like for our children years from now. You know, you see the world decriminalizing psychedelics in a lot of different states now. They're working towards it the same way the cannabis industry is blowing up right now. I mean, it's been blowing up, but it's continually getting bigger. But you also see who's at the face of these um, these movements right now, too, you know. And because of that privilege and luxury, people like me don't feel like they necessarily have the, they don't have the room or the ability to talk and speak out about these things because they're afraid of repercussions. You know, I understand midwives having to honor this hospital system, but now I truly understand why women choose to free birth too. You need to be able to make your own choices and decisions. You need to be able to take your power back in whatever way is fit for you. I don't regret anything that's happened. I don't regret hiring a midwife. I don't regret having a doula. I don't regret going into the hospital. I reframed a situation that was once very scary for me all by changing my frequency and my thought pattern. I let go of the what ifs and I embrace the now. And that's all anyone can do in a situation, you know. This was a lot to be able to express and I could sit here and worry all day how it's received and, you know, who's going to talk crap about me. Just the same way I could have worried after my husband told me that our midwife had reported us or was claiming to report us to doctors. Um, I could have said, what if, what if, what if I lose my kids? What if I go to jail? What if I go to prison? You know, what if, you know, people think I'm this terrible mother and... And here I am recording this podcast, having my Phoenix moment, like my husband. His Phoenix moment was cutting all his hair off. He's, uh, he, he's ever since I met him, he's had this long, beautiful hair. Uh, it's part of our, our hippie look, as we say. And, and all, all these things we're going through yesterday, me and my son are sitting in the bathroom with him. And he's like, should I cut my hair? And we're, I'm just like, no, because I love your hair. And he cuts it all off. And... He's, I'm watching him thin it out and take it down, and I never thought he would do that. And he was like, okay, this is our Phoenix moment. 
what I'm talking about now and what I say is not out of ego, but it's going to not only open doors, but open rooms for that some that do exist and some that don't for women, for pregnant people, birthing people, um, for people who are not to show no fear. Don't operate in fear. And I'm not a religious person, but one thing that I kept replaying in my mind after the midwife had left and, you know, basically insulted us and felt like threatened us. It was this Bible verse my mom used to say. And it's funny I'm even going to say this because you will never hear me quote the Bible ever. But this is like one of my childhood memories. My mom used to say this Bible verse that God did not give me the spirit of fear, but of love, peace and a sound mind. And no matter what God is to me, whether that be the universe, one particular person, the message rings true. The spirit of fear is not given to us. It's something that's instilled in us and created by outside forces and influences. Love, peace, and a still mind come from who we already are when we come into this world and who we choose to be. I choose love over fear. I choose to embrace the person I am and who I'm becoming. I'm choosing this role that I've taken on, not just as a mother, but somebody who chooses to be an advocate for, for medicine, for healing, for transformation. I hope that I inspire others to do the same because I want this world to look much different when my children are in my position versus mine. I know their experiences will be their experiences and the world will also be completely different than it is now when they're older. But I also, I, I just really, I hope to always deliver my message with love, with the intention of sharing and also seeing that this is not making me crazy, okay? I don't do plant medicine participate consume every single day i actually very rarely consume this whole journey that i've had along the end of my pregnancy this is very new you know i i participate maybe once or twice a year if that sometimes waiting with three four year gaps um but this is coming up as you see mushrooms in particular are now going mainstream but you don't see people like me speaking out about them not really and the people that are are ones i try to follow closely on social media because they are the advocates for social justice that we need right now not because you know we're saying oh black people brown people are left out no because we've had our families ripped apart are still having our families ripped apart for things that are celebrated you know in other places you know, I'm a mother, so of course, with everything that I do and take into consideration, my children come first. And with this, I do this. I speak out about this. I'm saying what I'm saying. I make these funny Instagram reels, you know. I make these posts because I want to be one of the people who helps create a different world for my kids and for the kids of others so they don't have to fear. So they don't have to think everybody is always out to get them. So they don't aren't afraid to challenge the system. So they aren't afraid when they do have providers, even the ones that look like them, to stand up to them and say, this is not what I want. This is not the experience that I want. I choose different. I've said so much. This is, this is a lot. This feels like a big vent session, honestly. Um, this is not meant as an attack this is meant with love and i'm just repeating that for myself because i have to, have to convince myself like not trying to convince anybody else, but i have to tell myself like you're doing the right thing 
nothing that you're saying or doing is wrong. You're doing what has to be done. And with any great movement or change, like that's where it starts. You do what has to be done. It doesn't always feel good. It doesn't feel like one big happy step towards changing humanity. It's one little small step at a time. And even those small steps can feel like the scariest ones. I am so surprised that this little baby has slept through this whole thing because she is a different personality than my son. <laughs> um, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna end things here. Uh, this is a very long and powerful episode that I hope that anybody who listens takes something from. Not taking anger from it or resent or hate or malice. They take, I hope anybody take, who listens takes in the fact that what I'm saying is it's okay to take your power back in any situation around the people you love around people you trust, around decisions that you make originally, you're allowed to change your mind. You're allowed to make your own decisions. You're allowed to state your boundaries. Let go of the what ifs. Do what feels right for you. Honor what feels right for you. Honor your body, honor your mind, but always do what feels right for you first. I know I did. And I've never been more proud of myself. I never want to hurt anybody along the way, but I do want to open some eyes. I do want to change some perspectives. And this little baby that was born under this eclipse, letting go of the material, stepping into the unknown, that it will forever have changed my life and hopefully one day change the life of others. So wherever you are, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Remember to let love lead the way. That's all we really can do along this crazy journey we go through called life. Um, And I look forward to speaking with you all in the next episode. Peace. I detach from the old. I have a crown of success. I am sure of what is coming and let the universe do the rest. I don't know how. I don't know when, but I manifest what I want again and again. I don't know how, I don't know when, but I manifest what I want again and again. I don't know how, I don't know when, but I manifest what I want again and again. Time is a dimension that we enter when we choose to align with self that's divine first exist inside of our minds. I don't know how, I don't know when, but I manifest what I want again and again. I visualize my desires, I create with intention a new dimension where reality is in my hands. I don't know how, I don't know when, but I manifest what I want again and again.
success. I am sure of what is coming and let the universe do the rest. I don't know how, I don't know when, but I manifest what I want again and again. I don't know how, I don't know when, but I manifest what I want again and again.
detach from the old, I have a crown of success. I am sure of what is coming and let the universe do the rest. I don't know how, I don't know when, but I manifest what I want again and again. I don't know how, I don't know when, but I manifest what I want again and again. visualize my desires, I create with intention a new dimension.